there, church family. Pastor Anthony here. Have you ever had one of those days where everything's going wrong? Like you wake up and your kids are driving you nuts, they're going bonkers, and um, the water heater explodes. You get into your car and then you're driving to work and you have like 27 people cut you off and you just lose it. Your temperature is just out the roof and you are mad dogging people. Well, it's in those times that uh, our faith is tested and uh, whenever it's tested, whatever it, what we're filled with is what's going to come out. You know, two weeks ago, Pastor Miles uh, taught us about the work and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, the process of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He gave us some good challenges and some practical ways to uh, pray and to keep short accounts with the Lord and to be able to help these leaky vessels be refilled. And I want to reiterate some of those same concepts and some of those same themes that the, that the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians. We read in Ephesians 5.15 through 21, Look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Now let's get some context um, to why is Paul writing these things? To whom is he writing uh, these things? What is, what is Paul's purpose for writing these things? Well, uh, in the book of Acts, it talks about uh, Paul getting arrested, uh, and uh, it, it talks about how he uh, appealed to Caesar because he was a he was a Roman citizen, so he was able to appeal to Caesar so that uh, he could get that arrest um, reversed. And so um, he was taken into custody, and so on his way to Rome on a ship, he was shipwrecked, and by the grace of God, he made it to Rome. And so, as he's on house arrest, uh, cuffed, handcuffed to a Roman soldier, he uh, begins to write these epistles. He begins to write letters to uh, these churches that he has uh, been spending time ministering to them and teaching them and pouring his life into them. And so, he didn't waste any time. He made the most of the time that he was given. And so, um, the, some scholars say that he, he waited like six years uh, to get his case heard from Caesar. So in that time, he was able to write these letters, and they're called prison epistles because he was on house arrest. He was in prison. And so he wrote to the church of Ephesus. And not only did he write um, those books, but he wrote the book of Philippians and the books of um, Colossians and Philemon. And so we get the... Um, we get the blessing of those books. And so, but here in Ephesians, this is the chapter that he tells us how to live out our roles that God gives us in a family. It's where he gives the rule 
to the wife. It's where he gives a rule to the husband. It's where he gives a rule to, uh, to children and to fathers and to employers and employees. You know, whatever relationship you're in, God has a word for you today. And uh, in chapter 5 and chapter 6, this is where the word is, is being spoken. Now, what I want to draw your attention to is before Paul ever tells husbands to love their wife as Christ loves the church, before he ever tells a wife to submit and respect their husband, before he tells children to obey their parents, before he ever tells a father to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and, and to not provoke them to wrath, he shares in chapter 5, verse 15, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. We see in this verse, Paul is exhorting us to walk carefully. He's talking about our daily lives, our Christian walk, that we wouldn't be unwise. Have you ever heard of that game, Never Have I Ever? It's a, it's a game that, that is played, and basically you say things that you've done in your lives, and the people who've never done those things, well, they're penalized every time um, that thing that you did, they never did. So in this game, it's basically a game about wise decisions and about unwise decisions. And so we see that this life is full of wise and unwise decisions. And now in my early adulthood, 19 or 20 years old, so I'm 44 now, so you do the math, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I was driving my car and um, I did a California roll, not sushi, not a sushi roll, but a California roll. I didn't make a complete stop while I turned right and the police uh, pulled me over and gave me a ticket. Now, at that time, I was young and foolish and I was so upset. I uh, felt the injustice on my life and uh, I tore up that ticket and I threw it away. And I was like, I'm sticking it to the man, okay? But what ended up happening is I moved and uh, I didn't do a change of address. And so three months later, three or four months later, I was driving from work from Walmart with my blue smock on in my hand-me-down minivan and I saw the red and blue lights in my rearview mirror and I was uh, pulled over and the police officer commanded me to get out of the car and uh, commanded me to put my hands behind my back, cuffed me and put me in the patrol car, headed off to um, station and was booked by a um, classmate, former classmate that I graduated with and then I was put in a jail cell and then um, they put me in an orange suit and they shackled my waist into my hands and I walked into the courtroom looking and feeling like a uh, the worst criminal ever and with those judgmental eyes staring at me in the courtroom I felt horrible. Now that was not a wise decision and it wasn't a great witness as well. Uh, uh, in Arizona they do not play with the law but the question that I need to ask myself is how is my Christian walk is it something that can bring glory to God 
or to blaspheme the name of God. And I'm not talking about just what's uh, done in the outside, but what's done in secret. It's so important that we have a life of integrity, and that's what matters most. The things that are done in secret will come out in the open. So the things that are done in secret, spending time with the Lord and, and praying and being filled with the Spirit, those will come out in the open, just like everything else will. But, you know, we, we want to be able to understand that the days are evil, not the days in themselves, not what's on the calendar, but there's a battle going on between good and evil. There's temptations and there's evil in the world. And we need to walk in the light. We need to walk as wise people. I love the book of Proverbs. Um, it's known as a book of wisdom, and it has 31 chapters. It's perfect, and I would encourage any one of you to um, make this a part of your devotional time. If, if you are not spending time with the Lord and you were a Christian, well, these are the basics of of, of a Christian life. Pastor Miles is talking about the basics. This is, this is a basic thing and, and reading the Word and knowing what the Word says, how to walk wisely. If God tells you to walk wisely, we need to know how to walk wisely. And that's in His Word. And so I would encourage, read um, the book of Proverbs if you want to live wise. Read the Word of God. So point number one, to understand how to live as a wise person, I need to be careful to follow what the Lord teaches in His Word. I need to be careful. Careful to follow what He teaches in His Word. Verse 17, it says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Every one of us wants to know what the will of God is for our lives. We want to know what God wants for our lives, right? In verse 18, this explains a little bit of what that is. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for this will ruin your life, but be filled with the Spirit. We all know that that's not God's will. God's will is not for us to get drunk with wine or not you know, waste our time with those kind of things or fruitless things. That's not God's will. But God's will is for us to be filled with His Spirit. So, before Paul tells husbands how to be, how, before he tells wives how to be, how children how to be, fathers how to be, before you can do any of that, you must be filled with the Spirit. Now, uh, how many of you guys know that we can't live these Christian lives uh, while we're in the power of the flesh? We can't do it. We have these bodies, these flesh, they, they want their own way, and we have the Holy Spirit, and they're at war. The Spirit wants what God wants, and the flesh wants what, what we want, we, the things that are for selfish sake. And the Spirit and the flesh are at war. So who's going to win? Family, who's going to win the fight? Now let's focus on this phrase, be filled with the Spirit. There is so much info in this phrase. I want you to know that this term, be filled, is a plural Greek verb in the present passive imperative tense. Let me say that again. That term, be filled, is a plural Greek verb in the present passive imperative tense. So what he's saying here is 
This phrase be filled is imperative, meaning it is a command, not a suggestion. Paul did not write this and he did not say, hey, guys, I kind of think that, you know, maybe you should try to be filled with the Spirit and then, you know, let's see what happens and then let me... No, he did not say that. He said, be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. Have you ever been commanded to do anything? As, as a son or a daughter, has your mom or dad say, get down right now, get off of that, get over here right now. We remember the fear that was put in us when our parents told us our full name, Anthony Robert Martinez. They told, we were like, we were scared, we were sweating. There was a sense of a command. We need to do um, what is being spoken. Have you ever, have you ever been uh, commanded by a police officer or arrested like I have been? Well, when they tell you, um, put your hands on your back. Um, you listen because you might get shot. Well, we listen to these commands, our parents and our law enforcement. How much more important is to listen to the command of God? And God is the one that created us. He's the one that is going to destroy the world by fire and, and put a new world, a new heaven and a new earth. And He's the one that saved us. He's the one that loves us. And so how much more should we obey the command of God? And this command is beneficial for us. And all the commands of God are beneficial for our spirit and for our walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so we, we, we know that it's a command. You must be filled with the Spirit if you're going to be all that you want to be in Christ. It's also a plural command. So it applies to everyone. This is so important for you guys to hear. A lot of times we hear good messages and we hear messages and we're like, man, that message, that message was, was for my husband or that message was for my wife or whoever it would be. And that's true, but that message is for us. This message is for everyone. Um, it's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. It not, it's not for deacons or people that serve here in the church. It's for everyone. And so uh, we know that the term be filled in this text is also passive, meaning you can't do it on your own. It's passive. You can't do it by yourself. You can't will it to happen. You can't hope it happens or, or it's not that you do it and you fill yourself. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. But the good news is, is that Jesus wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And church, Jesus loves you so much. And I want you to know that, that God is for you. God loves you. And he wants you to be victorious in your struggles, in your life. He wants to use you. He wants you to be able to walk holy. And He will do it. He wants to give you His Holy Spirit. So, let's read in Luke chapter 11, verse 10 through 13, where it says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, point number two. If I want to be filled with the Spirit, then I need to simply ask Jesus to fill me. Just like parents, the, the Bible's describing here, if my son, I have a son, and if my son asks me, hey dad, can I have some bread? Can I have some, some tortilla? Can I have some cheese? Um, I'm not going to give him a rock to chew on. I care about him. I care about his teeth. I care about the finances that it's going to take to fix those teeth if he chews on that rock. But seriously, I love him. I love my son. I want to give him good things. How much more will our Father in heaven give us the Holy Spirit when we ask for? When we ask him for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give it to us. You ask, you believe, you receive, and you move on in faith. It's a faith walk. Really, if we could get this concept, it's a faith walk. Every time we, we sin, we, we ask for forgiveness, and we, and we move up, we get up. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but, but rises again. So that's what it's saying, is you, is you get up, and you receive that forgiveness, and you move through faith, and you move, and you work, and you, you ask the Lord to fill you. God is a perfect Father. And if you come to your senses and you say, God, I can't do this husband thing. I, I can't do this wife thing. I can't do this single thing or this employee, your employee thing. I can't do what you're calling me to do by myself. And Jesus is just sitting there. He's like, man, I've been waiting for you to say this. I've been waiting for you to call on me. And Jesus will be there and he will fill you. Ask and it will be given to you. This verse gets so misquoted and misused by a lot of the prosperity faith movement, doesn't it? It's, it's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about, you know, I'm going to ask for a mansion or I'm going to ask for these things. It's not, it's not talking about that. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows that you need his spirit. Jesus is waiting for you to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your Holy Spirit. Help me. Change me. And he will, I promise, he will give you the Holy Spirit to overflowing. So be filled is imperative, meaning it's a command. It's plural, meaning it's for everyone. It is passive, meaning we can't do it on our own. But good news, Jesus wants to fill us, so just ask him. And finally, this phrase, be filled, is in the present tense, meaning it's continual. It's something we need to continue doing. We need to continually say, God, fill me to overflowing with your spirit. I, I need your spirit. So remember that the spirit of God is, is with us. Before you were saved, before you came to Christ and you, you, you came to your senses and you said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I repent and I put my trust in you. Would you come into my life and, and change me and, I, and, and let me be forever changed? And when you do that, God goes from being with you, convicting you, and then he goes from being inside of you. But then the, the next point is he wants to be overflowing 
And so that's described here in Acts 1.8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word that is described overflowed. Can you imagine an empty cup and a pitcher of water? And that represents the Spirit. The cup, empty cup represents you. Now, the Spirit with you is next to the cup. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Say, you need me. Hey, your life is going down the tubes without me. Now get that pitcher and pour the water inside. And now the Spirit is inside of you, right? That's when we received Christ. And, and now keep pouring that pitcher, and now that means the Spirit is flow, overflowing. It's getting on the table. It's getting on me. It's getting on everyone. That's what God wants to do, the, the upon. He wants that to be uh, something that we're seeking, that we're praying daily, sometimes hourly, that we need in our lives. Some days are going to be tougher than others. Some days we're going to need more of the Holy Spirit, and God's ready and willing to give it. He wants to use us. We need the power to affect others, to minister to them, our families, our friends the lost, the people at our jobs, and even for our own growth and victory in our lives. We live in this world with so many temptations pulling us here and pulling us there. We need to walk in the overflowing presence of God's Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the overflowing presence of God's Holy Spirit. Amen, church? We need that. It's also making you into a different person. That's why there's a contrast be, between being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. I'm sure you guys have people in your lives or, or even, even uh, yourself, your own lives, where drugs, drugs and alcohol made them or, or you or us into a person we didn't want to become. They didn't want to be a completely different person. On the flip side... The Holy Spirit has the ability to turn us into a different man, a different woman. So, not like what alcohol does, destroying your life and ruining it. Not drugs and alcohol, but transforming your life into something that is beneficial for you and your family, your church and your community. That's what God wants to do. He wants you to be able to make a difference. Point number three. In order to have the best influence on those around me, I must be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. In order to have the best influence on those around me, I must be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. The reason it's so important to hear this today, because if you're anything like me, you need to become a different person, a different man. You need to become a different woman. Maybe, maybe you're a hothead. You know, maybe you got issues. I know you got issues because I've got issues. And I'm a worship pastor. We're people. We need to demystify um, pastoral and, and all those things. We, we see pastors and leaders and struggling and fall and all these different things. We're going through the same battle. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, maybe 
people cut you off on the road and you just lose it. Maybe your kids are driving you nuts. Maybe just a little. Maybe the relationships you're in are driving you a little nuts. Maybe you're a Christian and you're still struggling with addiction. I promise you, you're not the only one. Maybe you're lusting. Maybe you're into pornography. The devil, he's so crafty and he knows how to get his claws into us even after we've been saved he knows how to mess with us we're sinners on our way to heaven and we're in desperate need of Jesus Christ the reality is we have issues but so did the early Christians and we have the ability to change the world just like they did they changed they turned the world upside down but we cannot do it unless we get on our faces and we cry out to God and we ask and we say, Lord, this walk, this Christian walk, it's impossible in my own strength. But God, with your Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. Without you, Jesus, I'm going to keep struggling my entire life with this double life, with this hothead personality or this struggle with addiction or, or pornography or whatever it is. But your spirit, God, has the ability to turn me into a different man, into a different woman, different person. So let's do business with God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day, Lord, for just your goodness and, and your word. Your word is truth. It penetrates our hearts. And God, I just want to pray for anyone that is watching this today, that they would sense your presence, they would sense, Lord, your love. And God, that they would be able to see that you are for them. I pray that they would begin to start praying and saying, I want to be filled by your spirit. I'm desperate for you. Knowing that it's not a performance-based walk, but Lord, you want to give us victory, and you want to give us peace and joy. God, so I pray for everyone, including myself, that you will continually give us that patience we need, Lord, that peace, that self-control to walk in an overflowing life of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.